everybody. Welcome back to Ubaldi Reports. Now, yesterday, five states held presidential primaries. Now, the big winners were Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Donald Trump swept all five. He won in Pennsylvania, Maryland, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Delaware. And he won by sizable margins over his two challengers, Ted Cruz and John Kasich. Now, Hillary Clinton also won big and dramatically. She won in Pennsylvania, Maryland, Connecticut, and Delaware, and she lost Rhode Island to Bernie Sanders. So as of right now, the two presumable nominees, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, look like they have this election pretty much to the They're going to be the nominees for each of the competing parties. Now, the, there are some headways for both of them. First, yesterday, Donald Trump, the leading Republican contender, a federal judge ruled that a $40 million fraud civil suit against him with regard to Trump University is now going to trial. Now, this is going to be held sometime in the summer. Now, I'm not sure exact date. All we know is it's sometime in the summer or could be early fall. But this is right in the middle of the um, presidential election. So how does this impact his candidacy? How does this impact him going forward? Because this really hasn't been discussed and was not even mentioned in some of the coverage of last night's result. Now, this doesn't absolve Hillary Clinton. She's facing her own legal troubles with the email scandal. And to refresh my listeners, this is where, while she was Secretary of State, she decided to have a private server and a private email where she directed all of her email traffic to go to. And then she decided to delete 30,000 of those emails. Now, we're not sure if the FBI, who's doing the investigation, was able to recover those lost emails or those destroyed emails. And when she first announced this, she stated that no classified materials were sent or received from her email or onto her server. Well, that was proven false, where the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community noted and stated that well over 2,000 or close to 2,000 emails had classified markings on it, and I think 20 to 30 had the most sensitive of U.S. secrets. So it's kind of interesting that all this is going to happen this summer. Well, the two of the leading candidates, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, are all faced, both of them are facing legal troubles as they move forward sometime this summer. Now, I don't know when this is going to happen in the summer, but I would hope they get to resolve this before it gets to the general election, because I think the public needs to know, are they electing somebody who's been dishonest in their dealings with business as of Donald Trump or dishonest and, and dealing with her emails as it regards to the nation's secrets. But as we move forward, just remember the conventions for the Democrats will be held January, excuse me, July 25th through the 28th in Philadelphia, and the Republican, they'll hold their convention in Cleveland from July 18th through the 21st of July. But another thing that was missing in the coverage, it seems like the last few weeks, the media has been focusing on the delegate count. How much do they have? Who? How could the other candidates win? And they pretty much focused on Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton for obvious reasons. They're leading the, the race. For the Republicans, it was, it's been Ted Cruz and John Kasich formed an alliance the last couple of days. That didn't seem to work. Some say it's a little uh, too, uh, too little too late. And Donald Trump is leading it. He may or may not get it. 
But if he wins Indiana, which comes on May 3rd, this would pretty put, almost put a fork in the other two candidates, especially Ted Cruz. There's really no way they can win the delegate count or at least stop his momentum. Hillary Clinton is leading it, especially when it comes to the superdelegates. If she wins the next couple contests, I think that will pretty much solidify her as the Democratic nominee. The question is, does Bernie Sanders drop out? No one speculate this, but I'm not sure if he's just hanging around because he wants to see where this email scandal unfolds. So we'll have to see how that goes. But the other other issue that has really not been discussed is health care. Now, just a few, I think about a week or so ago, United Health, the largest health care provider, decided that they're going to be pulling out of the majority of the Obamacare exchanges in 2017 because they've seen their, um, they've had losses of almost close to a billion dollars and they just can't sustain this. Now, they're going to be pulling out some of the other insurance providers they're looking at possibly pulling out, and also majority of the exchanges across the country are going broke. They're just not meeting expectations. So these are the challenges moving forward. Now, it was interesting, Marilyn Trevner, I think it's it's spelled T-A-V-E-N-N-E-R, my apologies for mispronouncing it, she is the CEO of America Health Insurance, and she stated there will be a sharp increase in health care insurance costs. Now, remember, when the health care law was passed, it was supposed to reduce costs for um, Americans. They would be able to keep their plans and keep their doctor. Now we're finding out that is not the case. Now, the reason a lot of these health care insurance providers like United Health pulled out, in the Obamacare law, there was a stipulation if the insurance companies faced losses, the federal government would bail them out. Now, I believe it was Marco Rubio, senator from Florida, and Congress got together and changed that provision that said there will be no bailout for the insurance company. So with that in mind, the insurance companies just can't meet expectations because what everybody said was going to happen is happening now. You're covering individuals who are sick, and it's impacting those who are healthy. And even those who are sick just get the coverage they need to take care of themselves, and then they pull out of the exchanges. Even the exchanges are not meeting the numbers that the administration or especially the Congressional Budget Office, which is the nonpartisan group, stated that um, was be ne- that would be needed to sustain this coverage. Now, it's interesting for Maryland – Travener, again, mispronounced her name, I apologize. It's interesting with her, she was the former head of the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and she oversaw the rollout of the Affordable Care Act, or commonly known as Obamacare, and she was the one that had to implement the law that the president signed into action back in 2010. So this isn't coming from a Republican or someone who was against the Affordable Care Act. This is somebody that was part of it. And this is not a partisan issue, but this is somebody that her focus was on the Affordable Care Act. And now we're seeing that you're going to see a huge rise in premiums. Now, all these insurance uh, companies, they have to go through the states to submit their, this is why we want to raise rates and this is how much. 
Now it's up to the states to agree to that or not agree with that. But if they don't accept the what the insurance companies want, there's no way the insurance companies can stay in the market. They will have to pull out, and that's going to make the premiums and deductibles for everybody else really skyrocket. So it's almost in a death spiral. But this falls into the presidential election. Now, Donald Trump and Republican candidates, but we're just going to focus on Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump talks about we're going to re- repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. The question I would ask him is, what are you going to replace it with? How are you going to repeal it? Because neither the candidates, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, if they assume the office of the presidency in January 2017, are not going to have the votes to repeal it on their own. They will have to get, at least for the Republicans, they would have to get Democrats to join forces. So right now the Republicans control the Senate, and they probably may lose some Senate seat. Depends how this, they could even lose the Senate. Let's say they um, retain the Senate. Donald Trump would need almost another 10 Democrats to cross over to repeal it. And then you have to replace it. Then you have to go through the whole fight again. So that will be, no one has speculated how that would um, take place. Now, if Hillary Clinton wins the election, she stated on the campaign trail that she wants to expand Obamacare. Well, how would she do that when she was, she will need Republicans to join forces with her to expand Obamacare? And that'd be like, that's not going to happen because they're always trying to repeal it. So the question with Hillary Clinton is, She's not going to have that super majority that Barack Obama enjoyed in the first two years of administration when he had a super majority in the House and he had 60 Democratic senators in the Senate. So he could do anything he wanted. He didn't need the Republicans. And that's how Obamacare passed. It passed in December of 2009 because when uh, Ted Kennedy passed away, it looks like Scott Brown, a Republican, was going to win the match, which he did. So they did it on a procedural vote to have Obamacare pass. So Scott Brown couldn't be that that one senator that uh, that uh, uh, didn't pass that particular law. So, But this all goes into the next question is the economy. This is something that most Americans aren't really talking about. Or, well, they're talking about it, my, my mistake, if the candidates aren't really talking about it. They're not saying how they would jumpstart the the listless American economy. And then just this first quarter of 2016, it looks like the um, GDP is only going to increase about 0.5%. Now, we've noticed that unemployment is down to 5.5%, but the question is, majority of those jobs are low-wage jobs in the retail service sector uh, part of the economy, hardly the high-wage positions that people need. Now, I know some people can say there's jo- I live in this state or I live in this city and jobs are being created, but that's not all over the United States. And healthcare has really hurt small business, which I'll get to in, in, in a little bit. Also, we're seeing the U.S. durable goods was down sharply in March. So the question for Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, how would you jumpstart the economy. We've hear we've heard about tax reform, but no one submitted a comprehensive tax plan that's going to detail how they're going to bring that two trillion dollars of corporate money abroad back 
because companies are afraid that they get taxed in the country they do business in. If they bring that money back, they're going to get taxed at a substantial higher rate that no other industrial country uh, does. So that's the question that needs to be answered. The other thing for Hillary Clinton, she really wrapped herself around supporting Barack Obama's policies. And I think that's more of an election year politics because she's trying to get that Obama coalition that elected him in both 2008 and in 2012. But the question I would ask her is, what would you do differently than Barack Obama is doing now? You talk about raising taxes on the wealthy. You talk about some of the proposals that he's tried to do and has implemented some of those. And you want to take that to the next level. So the question I would ask or the media should ask, what would you do differently than Barack Obama? Because in the Democratic race, now I know the Republicans are really trashing him, but that's, you know, that's understandable because, you know, the opposition, if it was a Republican president, Democrats would do the same thing. But the question I would ask the Democrats or Hillary Clinton, because even Bernie Sanders is big on income inequality, this isn't 2008, this is 2016. And the Democrats have been running the economy for eight years. So what would you do differently How would you end income inequality that is different from Barack Obama, who wants to raise more taxes on the wealthy, you know, more regulation, more government intervention into the economy? What would you do differently that hasn't done before? And how would you expand some of the policies that you said you embraced and you want to go further than Dodd-Frank, which is the financial overhaul regulation that really is supposed to go after the big banks, but really punish the community banks? What would you do differently? How would you, would, what would you do the same or do differently? So that's the question that needs to be asked. And in that same vein, everyone's complaining about the economy. And I know the president champions that the economy's improved, look where we were. But if unemployment rate is at 5.0, and when he took office, the unemployment rate was really skyrocketing. So if the unemployment and the economy is doing as well as the president says it is, Why is poverty, all our welfare programs, public assistance at record levels if we are at, as some economists say, we're getting close to full employment? So if we're doing so well economically, wouldn't the poverty rate, welfare, and public assistance start to go dramatically drop because people are finding jobs? Now, in this economy, we're only growing at about 2%. That's hardly enough to keep pace with those new entrants into the economy. So these are some of the things that the candidates need to really be asked. The other thing that there's a big uh, question mark is trade. Now, I know Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders were against trade deals, how it's been one-sided. Hillary Clinton's been kind of going back and forth. First, she supported the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the latest trade deal, while she was Secretary of State. Now she's against it. The question is, I think it's been very duplicitous that – The candidates haven't really explained how international trade impacts the economy here at home, and it creates a lot of jobs. Now, they mentioned the Rust Belt states, the northeastern Rust Belt states, mainly the big industrialized states of the country, and that includes California, where I spent most of my life in. But what they don't tell you is all these states are one of the worst places to start a business. And this rolls into my next question is small business. How are these candidates going to jumpstart and and help small business? When they passed the Dodd-Frank, the financial overhaul, that really curtailed 
small banks who weren't responsible for financial collapse, but they're taking the brunt of it. And this is where a lot of small businesses get their um, their capital. And now we're seeing Gallup came out with a couple a month or two ago. The Brookings Institute first started this back in May, which is a, a liberal progressive think tank in 2014. And they're stating there's more small businesses leaving the economy than coming in. And now Gallup reported about a month or two ago that for the first time, there are more small businesses leaving the economy than coming in. Now, people would probably say, well, that could be a good thing. That's just how businesses work. But if we only have corporate America, corporations as creating jobs, we're, gonna have, we're not going to be growing as fast as we, uh, we, uh, we should. America has always been small business. Now, from the U.S. Bureau of Statistics and the Census Bureau, 60% or more of all jobs in America are with small business with 60, excuse me, with 50 employees or less. It's not corporate America that creates the jobs. It's small business, that innovation, that innovative person who wants to take a risk and starts a business. Because if, it's, if, if the climate was like today, you wouldn't see a Steve Jobs. You wouldn't see an Apple came up, come up into the economy. These are major corporations, though. But there are a lot of small businesses. They create the, the new innovative product. And they're the ones that create the job growth that we need. And we're just not seeing that. So the question I would ask the two candidates, what would they do to help small business? What would they do? I mean, that, these are big questions. I talk to a lot of small businesses, and they're reeling from the Affordable Care Act. They're being killed by Dodd-Frank and all the regulations that come down with it. So people need to ask, every bill that passes, every policy these candidates pursue has to be asking this vein, what would this do and how would this impact small business? So these are questions that need to be asked. Now, on the final thing, we talked about the economy. How would they jumpstart it? And we really don't know beyond their policy uh, pronouncement as they appeal to their base. Now they've got to expand that and to get more people on, on their side. And these are questions that need to be asked. How would they jumpstart the U.S. economy? Because too many people are having a difficult time, especially the millennial voters. That's why they embrace Bernie Sanders. And that's why the, Donald Trump has his supporters, because they feel they're being left out. Now, all this on the secondary issue is the um, is foreign affairs. How would the candidates differentiate themselves from Donald Trump? Now, we always know that Donald Trump is saying he's going to be something totally different than Barack Obama. So we'll start first with Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton obviously is a Democrat. She's going to she embraced Donald. I mean, uh, Barack Obama's foreign policy she supported the, uh, the Iran nuclear deal. She supported, you know, intervention into uh, Libya. She um, she was a part of that Syria policy, Russia. So how would she be different than what currently is happening right now? Is she going to be more of an interventionist, especially as revolving around the Middle East? Because whoever becomes president is going to have to deal with ISIS. And so far, everyone's only talking about tactics this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. But no one's talked about what is the political strategy for removing ISIS. What about Assad in Syria? What about Russia? What about Iran? Now, with the Iran nuclear deal, President Obama went to Saudi Arabia, then to England, and then to Germany. While he was in Saudi Arabia, it was a very 
um, contentious, very cold reception because they see as ISIS as a threat, but they don't see that as the preeminent threat. Their threat really comes from Iran. They're seeing Iran in a, heavily involved in Iraq, Yemen, Syria, Lebanon, funding a lot of these groups like Hezbollah, Hamas. I know Saudi Arabia has been kind of playing both sides, but that's the nature of the Middle East, and we need to understand that. But the question becomes is, how are you going to get the Arab to join forces with the United States to defeat ISIS? Everyone keeps talking about this Arabic army. Well, that's not going to happen because Saudi Arabia is involved in Yemen. Egypt, the largest Muslim um, Arabic nation, they're heavily involved in the Sinai. They got their problems. Um, Iraq, they're barely can, they're having a hard time getting into Mosul. And they got a very fractured army because of Maliki and the Shiite-dominated government. So the question is, how is that going to be done? And then if you expand around the world, we have China in the South China Sea. What's the president? Uh, what would a President Trump or a President Clinton do? Beyond the bombastic um, argument that Donald Trump has made, he wants to you know bomb you know ISIS and all this, but he hasn't said what the strategy for defeating ISIS, what replaces ISIS. That's a question. How would you? What would you do with Assad? He said he could deal with Putin. He likes Putin, but he's made some very inflammatory statements about expanding waterboarding and move you know reevaluating our relationship with NATO, allowing. Um, Japan and South Korea to potentially have nuclear weapons because they're getting a free ride, even though they're paying billions of dollars for these bases. So uh, Donald Trump today, this is Wednesday, if anybody listens to this later, at noon, he's given a um, a speech, a major foreign policy speech on, you know, obviously foreign policy. So it'll be interesting to see if he clarifies and dials back his rhetoric or if he puts more substance than just rhetoric so we'll have to see what that but these are issues that have to be discussed so whoever becomes president is going to have two problems one they're going to be dealing with the economic side and the foreign policy from day one how would a president clinton or a president trump deal with this from the foreign policy side as soon as they step into the office they're going to be dealing with this stuff with isis china russia iran and the difference is both Trump and both Clinton, excuse me, both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are really not liked by well over 60% of the American public. So members of their own party don't like them or trust them. So how would they get their policies through when they're not going to have this honeymoon period to give the new president a break? They're not going to have that. So it will be interesting, and I would like to see the media really challenge these two candidates on their issues of or their policy pronouncement and quit listening to the rhetoric. Let's get substance beyond rhetoric. So as we move forward, we're going to keep continually challenging these candidates because if we don't challenge them, we're going to get a president that we may not like, and this is what we're going to be stuck with for the next four years. So let's challenge these candidates. Now, you can continue to listen to Ubaldi reports on Stitcher. You can go to iTunes. Please leave your comments so I know what you're, what you're thinking. I'll try to answer your questions. Please leave your comments of what you want to hear next so we can at least keep everybody informed, and I'll do the research for you. If you get a chance, go to Amazon or any of the major book manufacturers. I have a book that's a bestseller on Amazon called The New Business Brigade, Why Businesses Need to Hire Veterans and the Untapped Resource They Represent. Go to my website, Ubali Reports. 
You can see me on Facebook at Ubaldi Report. Same thing on Twitter. Keep following this, but if and keep challenging this and see what you want to listen to. Because if we don't challenge our elected officials, if we don't take part, we're going to get the government that we don't want because we didn't decide to take part in this um, presidential election. So keep continuing listening to Ubaldi Reports. Let your friends know about Ubaldi Reports. And let me know what you think. Again, thanks for listening. And listen next time. Listen to Ubaldi Reports. <laughs>